Hello and welcome to the Women's Agenda podcast. My name is Angela Priestley. I'm the co-founder of Agenda Media, uh, which is the publisher of Women's Agenda. And on the line at various from various parts of their houses across Sydney, I have Georgie Dent, our contributing editor on Women's Agenda. How are you, Georgie? I am good. Really happy to be on the line with you guys. And I also have Shivani Gopal. How are you, Shivani? I am great. Happy to be here and happy to see both of your glorious faces through technology while we speak as well in different parts of Sydney. Yes, exactly. So we are. We can see each other over Zoom, but we are recording over our phones. Uh, it, we probably would actually get a better quality recording doing the audio on Zoom, but uh, due to various Wi-Fi issues, which I'm sure a lot of people are experiencing at the moment, it's not the safest option to try and record this podcast. So we will do what we can. And I think that's pretty much what everyone's doing at the moment. People seem pretty accepting that's, of it. So very true. I think the, uh, the Wi-Fi networks or the NBN in particular has been put under a a lot of pressure recently with uh, you know all of Australia starting to work from home and everyone's nine o'clock Zoom meeting being you know dropped out for any odd reason. So it's been it's been an interesting journey. Yes, and I might have a BBC dad moment as I have had many times on various calls over the past few days where I have various kids coming in at different points demanding biscuits and other things. Georgie, you, I'm sure you can relate. I expect to see your daughters coming through the door in the background at any point soon too. Yeah, if they don't, there'll be some sort of miracle. And I haven't actually even um, bribed them. Uh, so if they don't come in, it will be a miracle. My mind is invoking that BBC, that famous BBC interview. I'm, I'm thinking about it right now. I don't, I don't have a kid, but my cat might, you know, come <laughs> meowing in any second now. He's been very disappointed with me these last few days. I can't figure out why. But uh, I think it's because I've been spending so much time at home. He's not impressed. Yeah, he needs you to go. He needs some distancing. Maybe he's got the memo about the physical distancing and he's just not on board with you being around. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, I you know, what? speaking of, I thought this was a pretty cute story. My dad was telling me last night that um, a family recently had to take their dog to the vet because it had been um, wagging its tail so ferociously for a few days because everyone was home that it then couldn't actually wag its tail and the vet said it had sprained its tail out of excitement, like of over-wagging. I that like, is, isn't that cute? There are so many dogs of Australia so happy that their owners are all home. Wait, is, is that actually dogs. a real story? Is that well, a real story? Well, I have story? to fact-check it. My dad, dad <laughs> I love that, that story. So... I have to, I'll fact-check it for you. Okay. I thought it was pretty good. Don't disappoint look, me. Please, please keep that. Right? I need something, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, without a fact check, it already sounds authentic. You know, <laughs> dogs around the nation are overjoyed. All the while, cats could not be more besides the yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on today's episode, we will be talking about the importance of female leadership at these times. And we have seen some really good examples of that leadership, especially from different international leaders around the world. Uh, We will also discuss a sense of community and solidarity that we're seeing and want to be amplifying and leading into, just like those dogs with their wagging tails. Um, And we want to just share a little bit about some of the good that we're seeing. So I've got a little list of good moves from different businesses, but also just how the global community is coming together, uh, how people are practicing their physical distancing over social distancing. 
uh, which I was very pleased to see that the World Health Organization has changed how the terminology around that, that they do think it should be physical distancing that we're talking about and practicing rather than social distancing because we can still be social. Uh, we just don't can't be in the same and as well, room. I'd like to think that that has come from you, by the way, because I believe you were the first one to ever call it physical distancing. I, I right? don't think I was the first one. <laughs> um, I will take it, but I did write <laughs> about it last week. But um, I did, uh, I, I can't remember if I saw it from somewhere. I saw another term, not physical distancing, but I did see another term used at one point. Um, but it just seemed like a bit of an obvious thing because I made the point in a piece that I wrote about this last week where at this time I've actually never really felt more connected to different people because we have been taking the time to have the conversations, to ask how we are, to feel a little bit vulnerable because we are experiencing um, various pain in different ways, um, whether that be financially uh, through our, our business or our jobs or our employment. Obviously, a lot of people have lost their jobs in the last few days um, but we're also feeling it through uh, just being our, our family and the uh, all the things that have been cancelled, how quickly our lives have had to change, um, concerns about our health and the health of our loved ones and just basically, you know, what's going on and how, how bad things could really get. So I feel like I've been able to open up a lot about that recently and other people have to me and it feels like a thing where it's it's never been a, a greater solidarity around how we're all feeling the same sorts of things at the same time. And I, I made the point that, you know, we can actually imagine the lives of different women around the world right now because so many of us are in our homes. Talk about a little bit of the good. And to get us started, we published a piece last week regarding uh, female leadership at this time and looking at a number of different female prime ministers and what they're doing um, we have seen some pretty impressive speeches so uh, German Chancellor Angela Merkel's stands out to me one that she delivered last week this direct piece to camera that is just declares you know this is serious we need to take it seriously she outlined some of the measures that are being taken in Germany she's basically said it's the biggest challenge for Germany since World War Two uh, she has since gone into uh, physical isolation because she was exposed to a doctor who uh, later contracted uh, was who later tested positive for um, coronavirus Uh, we've seen from the prime minister of norway the prime minister of finland and also the new zealand prime minister jacinda adern who gave a speech just last night saying that the really direct and clear and concise saying the simplest thing that new zealanders can do to stop the spread of the virus is to stay home that's how we will save lives now, Georgie, so you've written about Jacinda Ardern today and mm. one thing you point out is that the way she's communicating and some of that messaging is actually quite different to some of the other, the, the messaging that we're actually getting here in Australia right now, which is causing some confusion, confusion. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I want to say at the outset here um, that I think it's really easy to just make this political. And when I made this comparison, I was very conscious of the fact that it's actually not about being political. So I watched Jacinda Ardern address um, New Zealand last night. I just happened to see that she had posted it as soon as she did the um, speech. And then I was also, I, I watched later when Scott Morrison delivered his um, update last night. And the difference was so stark. You know, Jacinda Ardern spoke for under three minutes and she delivered a really clear message. Um, her language was simple. She was direct. She was concise. And I think that, I would, I would have thought that for most people, 
even some young children, older people, you could sit and listen to her for two and a half minutes and come away with a very clear sense of what you need to do. The exact opposite happened when Scott Morrison spoke on Tuesday night because it was so confusing. There was the time frame was so much longer. There was a lot of contradictions in what was being said that, you know, absolutely you should stay home if you can, but essential workers should go to work and every worker is an essential worker. Um, it was really confusing messages about shopping centres and beauty services and what's open. And I just think that in this, I mean, I think at any point in time, simplicity is very powerful when you're communicating to the masses, but particularly in a health crisis like this, where I would say probably the biggest problem we have is, is uncertainty and people not knowing what they need to do. And right now we need leadership to be speaking exactly like Jacinda Ardern did in simple terms, making it very clear to people what they need to do. Yeah, um, Georgie, I, I couldn't help but see a tweet from Emma Alberici that came up today where she talks about, like, it, it is so confusing what we can and can't do. Whereas other countries have moved to lockdown. We had, um, you know, in Merkel in Germany, she's basically said no more gatherings of more than two people, basically, unless it's your immediate family. Um, Emma Alberici tweeted that, you know, we can have 10 people can mourn together at a funeral, five people can celebrate a wedding, but if a bride decides to go for a run or to exercise, she can take nine people along with her. Now, uh, don't don't quote me on that they're the exact figures or the stats or anything like that. Don't rely on that as advice on what you can and can't do. But still, I think it kind of points to the fact that it is confusing and it's this, measure, yeah. it's this approach that every couple of days we're getting told new restrictions and new things that are being slowly taken away. And you just think, maybe we should rip off the well, Band-Aid right now and just do yeah, it Yeah, I know. Uh, well, I think that's exactly right. I think he did. There were all these strange things about five people can attend a wedding, but ten people can go to a boot camp class if it's outside. And um, But the other thing that was really, really confusing is, is the, the argument about schools. Because on the one hand, he was sort of saying, okay, these are limited activities. You can't go to shopping centres unless it's just for your essentials. You can't do this, you can't do that. But schools will stay open. And I think the critical thing here is, and Jacinda Ardern sums this up, reducing contact is the single most powerful thing any of us can do at this point in time. You reduce contact. Schools is the exact opposite of reducing contact it is there are up to you know a thousand three thousand people at school campuses around this country if people are going there and it's not just the students but it's the teachers it's parents dropping off the spread there is horrifically complicated and i think that 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 disconnect um is not just affecting people when it comes to making decisions about school but i think it is underplaying the significance of this disaster i think that there are a lot of people who believe if they're being told that the schools are open that therefore it's okay to sort of go about your daily life Whereas the reality is what jacinda ardern said is life at this point cannot look like it has it has to change and that's the best way we have that's the best thing we can do to get a hold of this virus Mm. um so it's not just a problem in the message it's the delivery of the communication and it's the contradictions there and i thought that We just all need to listen to what Jacinda Ardern said in this instance anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because, um, I mean, it's the essential workers that I find difficult because there is no clear definition of that. Obviously, all work is essential in its own way, but 
you know, the work that we're doing on women's agenda is obviously very different in terms of how essential it is to what work people are doing as a healthcare provider in a hospital, right? So, mm. you know, it, it's – and most knowledge work, if I think about uh, law firms, accounting firms, very like th- there are things that they could potentially be done from home, they could potentially be pulled back a little bit at the moment if that's necessary. It's quite different to people who, say, need to be there working in a supermarket so we can get our supplies or need to be working logistics and transport, need to be working in – healthcare services um so it's it is confusing to say that and i did find it very frustrating and you can clearly see that there's obviously uh a lot of that there's arguments i would i'm guessing going on behind the scenes in terms of the state governments and the federal governments because they are sending out different messages and suggesting different things at the moment what do you think shivani yeah, look, I, I've been really reflecting on this because in, in from an economic measure, Scott Morrison has responded um, in a very responsible and very considered way. And he, um, at least for the, you know, for the part of, you know, the impact that it has on small businesses, the impact that it has on individuals, on retirees, reducing the deeming rates, these are all very sensible decisions. And Scott Morrison is known, I mean, you know, he's known for a lot of things, but he's also known for being a, a very good economic manager. And when I've been thinking about, you know, why is it that he's gotten some of these economic messages so right and then at the same time he's really mumbling over himself and elongating these messages and making it so darn confusing, especially when you are comparing it to, you know, these incredible leaders overseas, you know, Jacinta Ardern um, and Angela Merkel, you know, both both female leaders, of course, you know, overseas. You know, why, why are their messages so clear and Scott Morrison is being so unclear with this. And I was really trying to unpack it in my head. And I think it comes down to the fact that his messaging is really driven by fear. And the, the fear is driven by the economic impact that will, that will be incurred as a result of a total nationwide shutdown, inclusive of schools. I mean, I don't understand how the health advice could be any different for schools. So, so I think that, you know, Scott Morrison made a point a little while ago that if you shut down the schools, essentially the nation shuts down what happens to the healthcare workers, what happens to, um, you know, the doctors who are very much needed um, in the workplaces right now and their children are there. So, you know, what's the ripple effect of that? And and I, I wonder if that's got a part to play. And obviously, I, I don't have the answer, but this is what my mind has just been you know, constantly spinning around. And, and the second thing is, you know, when Scott Morrison does talk about the shutdown to businesses, you know, the shutdown, you know, in particular yesterday, um, you know, to nail salons and, um, and beauty care. And, and, and yes, I, I was really surprised by the detail around that, you know, when you compare it to the brave, bold and strong sweeping changes that Jacinda Ardern made and just we're at level three, we're going to level four, you've got to notice you know, be strong and be kind. In many ways, her decision-making was also strong and kind, right? It was brave, it was courageous. She mm. had to make that call early because she could see what was happening in the world. It was a very clear trajectory of if you do nothing, it's going to happen here even though we don't have the numbers. So she wasn't waiting for the numbers to rise to get that justification. Um, and uh, and so she was being strong and she was being kind as well for her nation and she's asking that for other people. So she had a real human-first approach. And my analysis in a really roundabout way is I wonder if Scott Morris is really just looking at this from an economic approach because he's made a lot of apologies. And, of course, it, it is bad. And, and as a business owner, you know, it's, it's quite compassionate to hear those apologies when he says, I'm so sorry that you as a business, you're closing. I'm so sorry that you as a nail salon are closing. And so we hear you. Um, so I wonder if, you know, that economic first angle is taking away from that human first angle, which is we've just got to be strong and just shut it all down. Um, mm. or uh, make those big sweeping changes mm-hmm. like, you know, these other nations have done. Um, 
you know, in order to get the outcome that we need because we're, we're going to be there next week anyway by, by the looks of, you know, trajectory. Well, I think, yeah, I think, you, I think you have sort of hit the nail on the head there where, where there is that disconnect because, I mean, it's not new. Everyone has been saying that this crisis really has got, there's a health component to it and there's an economic component to it yeah. and neither is easy um, at all. But I think that what... Um, I think that as horrific as the economic situation is, and it is, the scenes of those of hundreds of people lining up at Centrelink offices around the country are absolutely diabolical. It just it breaks really my heart. Are. And I think I know myself. I've had I've, I've had friends, you know, who've lost their jobs. I know how precarious the financial situation is going to be for so many Australians. I do really feel that at this point, the health stuff has to come first. Mm-hmm. And then we can rebuild. And I think we do. We need to be kind and compassionate in the way we rebuild. And I think Scott Morrison has certainly hit the right tone there in sort of saying, like, this is hard, this is really hard. Yeah. Um, but I think that, unfortunately, until we get a hold on the virus and we stop the spread, the economic picture is just – we don't have any control over it. Yeah. It, we. How can we even think about where we get to the point where we get to build and – or to rebuild and improve from here if we can't actually see the point where we get to see how the pandemic will start to slow in Australia and the spread of the virus will start to slow and we're nowhere near that. When we're, we're nowhere near seeing what the high point is going to be, unfortunately. Maybe there are some countries in Europe that can actually point to that. They can say they've, they've hit the peak and their measures are now enabling them to actually see the, the, the downward slope in terms of new infections. But, you know, that's because they've some of them have been in lockdown for like two weeks mm. now, almost two weeks now. So you, you yeah. do have that time. So it's just – I don't know what the right answers are. I don't know. Uh, obviously, there is health advice being taken. There are, health, there are health officials behind the scenes. They're in constant communications with our government. But from me, I just want to see our leader communicating clearly – and delivering really yeah. strong messages, beautiful, poetic messages. I feel they're so necessary right now. And we also do need a strong leader in times like this. We yeah. really do. And, and this is a time for a leader. Like if you're a leader, this is your time to really step up and really have your amazing moment. The things that you'll be remembered for are happening right now. And of course, that nobody could ever think that this that you're going to have to deal with this. Of course, nobody thinks they're going to have to deal with this. Nobody could have predicted this. Scott Morrison is correct. Nobody could have predicted this. Although, mm, you know, we could yeah. have suggested that it could happen. There are always the possibilities. And now's the time mm. to really show what you can do and to really show what you can made of. And I said it last week, and I will say it again, I really believe that I would love to see the Prime Minister on television at the same time every day, giving us the latest updates, telling us what to do, giving us some kind of, hope at this moment as well and talking about some of the people who have died as well because right now the people who are dying are just figures they're ages they're being listed as ages we don't hardly know anything about them it's quite different to when you reflect back on the bushfire crisis and when people tragically died in the bushfire crisis would often learn so much about their story that's not happening here and maybe if it did happen here maybe we would have all been taking this a little bit more seriously uh weeks and days ago as opposed to um Mm. I also think that it's um, one of the things I've been reflecting on is the fear of of making mistakes and getting it wrong. Mm. And that is obviously a factor for all of us in in various parts of our life at different stages. And I think right now for any political leader or any leader, 
it's a time to not be afraid of the errors because no one is expecting anyone to get this 100% right. It is uncharted waters. Like there is no yeah. one right answer. But I think that I would um, welcome that sort of brave leadership where you are putting it out there and you're just saying this is horrendous. This is not what we wanted to be doing right now, but we are going into a lockdown because it's the only way we can get on top of this. Mm. Yeah, it, look, it takes a lot of courage to be be brave and to stand out there and take those big sweeping actions. But I think that, look, yes, it is unprecedented, but we can pretty much see where we're heading when you look at other countries, right? When you look at what's happening, you know, at, mm. at Italy, you know, if, if in Italy, if you were to, you know, use their example. Um, and so, you know, what needs to happen is, is quite obvious. We, we do need to have a total shutdown. And I think that as a country, we are prepared for it. Maybe we weren't prepared for it, you know, two weeks ago mentally, but we certainly are now. Um, and um, and I think that, you know, again, when Scott Morrison's making his addresses and he's, you know, talking about economic stimulus packages, he's actually quite clear on what it is that he's doing. But when he comes out every day and he talks about, you know, I've spoken with the cabinet, you know, he does his sort of 9.20 p.m. sort of briefing, um, and, and, you know, here's the new changes, it, it just does go on and on, and you're sort of thinking, where are we heading with this? What are the big points that I need to be across? Um, and again, if he came out, you know, from a almost from a leap of faith perspective as opposed to a fear-driven perspective, I think, you know, I think he would his communication would go a, a long way in terms of improvement. Mm. I, and I, I want to see it improve. I would, I'd love to see it improve. I've, I, I really want him to succeed in this moment. God, of course, we all want him to succeed in this moment. Um, and I think that on, on top of this, I think it requires a leader being able to change and for all of us to give that person a break if they need to. If they need to say, hey, it wasn't, we, we actually do need to close the schools fully now that we cut the leader a break basically because they do need to pivot and shift their and change their mind and move to the correct advice. So I don't want to get caught up in thinking, oh, why didn't you do this two weeks ago? Why didn't it's, it's, I think we all need to be able to enable leaders at this point to be able to change their minds without fear of the fallout that will come from them uh, being seen to uh, backtrack on that decision. We will move on. Um, so... To, I mean, I guess to more optimistic, hopeful, uh, positive parts of this conversation, which we're really keen to get out there. Georgie is putting her finger up me saying that she has another point to make. Oh, I oh can, sorry. Can oh, you hear me? I can hear you. Yes. Sorry. Can I, can I be back in two minutes? You guys can keep talking. I'm sorry. That means it involves editing. No, that's fine. We can we can I'll keep talking. People understand at the moment. You, there are kids in the background, so go. Yeah, okay, yes. just give me two minutes. Okay, all right. You guys uh, keep talking. We will. So, Shivani, um, I've been having a bit of a think about in terms of we mentioned the, the solidarity that people feel for each other and you get this sense mm. of where businesses can start to step in and are doing things and are moving quickly to try and support. First, initially it was to try and support staff as much as they could. Um, now we're seeing where businesses can try to actually uh, play a part in uh, in uh, helping with the pandemic. Seeing some really interesting examples, I'd love to share just some that I've come across over the last couple of days. And this is so this is big Ooh. business, um, but then we can look at you know it's also really the random acts of kindness that we see, the small things that are occurring in the community, the things that you hear from your neighbour, um, the ways that we're all reaching out to each other as well. But just a couple of things. So the uh, the company that owns Louis Vuitton, they're now making hand sanitizer. 
They can make 12 tonnes of the stuff in one week. So they've completely transformed their manufacturing processes. They're now making hand sanitizer. Uh, Telstra wow. is freezing its program of job cuts and it's hiring an additional 1,000 temporary contractors. It's also suspending late payment fees and disconnections and you see a number of different companies moving to do that too. Uh, we saw that Woolworths and Coles uh, launched their elderly-only shopping hours and then both have also announced that they'll, uh, they will uh, do special shopping hours for healthcare workers as well, particularly shift workers, to make sure that they have the time to be able to feel uh, safe and comfortable. I saw that mm. and I had a good cheer. I had a good internal <laughs> cheer. I was very happy about that. Um, car production companies in the US, including Tesla um, and Ford and, and GM, they are moving to try and make ventilators and masks and other supplies that will be needed. They haven't started yet. They're talking about it. They're working together to try and figure out an approach for that. I saw the owners of the retail outlet Zara are going to be making scrubs for Spain's hospitals. Also seeing a lot of, um, I mean, really big partnerships and moves and support for things like uh, to help uh, re- research into a COVID-19 vaccine. Um, also where, I mean, Novartis, which makes a malaria drug, they have promised to donate 130 million doses of the drug if it proves to be effective against COVID-19. So there are some little good things where you see uh, the, the, the that's the business community that I'm sticking to there, but really trying to come out and uh, do what they can, their little bits, um, where possible, not everyone, but there are some good examples and I think it's important to try mm. and talk about them and to, to think about um, some of the positives that could come out of it and some of the leaders that are going on and really automatically moving to pivot what they're doing to try and support yeah. this crisis. Have you seen anything yourself, Shivani, or where what what's making you see some uh, some good through this? Yeah, look, I, I've been seeing you know some wonderful things happen you know over, over the last uh, week and a week and a half actually. But before I get into that, I'd love to just sort of just share my reflections with you as you were sharing that with me, Angela. I mean, first of all, isn't that incredible that you know a, a, you know a, an everyday fashion house where like Zara will be making scrubs. Right, and um, throughout this health crisis, this you know once in a century style crisis that we're going through, some of the incredible innovation that's coming out, you know, an everyday fashion house like Zara makes scrubs, incredible. You know, if we had talked about the possibility of that happening two months ago, um, you know, we you know we, we we wouldn't have even acknowledged it to be true, and um, and and you know, going with this line of you know being positive and choosing optimism. You know, we always say that growth comes from being uncomfortable. And if you think about it, you know, when you're back into a corner, when you're back into absolute stress, some of the stuff that you can come up with, you know, it's, when it's sink or swim, sometimes what the incredible thing is you learn how to swim, even if you don't know how to swim. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's the sort of things that I'm seeing that, um, you know, is coming out. And, and that makes me, it, it just it just fills me with a sense of optimism and opportunity um, around the fact that, you know, when this all comes to pass, there's, there's going to be, you know, new ideas, new industries, new energy all coming through because of because of what we've learned during this time, you know, the the resilience of the human spirit. So anyway, that's my tangent. But um, mm-hmm. this is all the stuff that was just going through my mind and, you know, filling up my, my sense of self as you were talking. So I did promise you some, some acts of kindness. The first one is, is, is you might think this is rather um, random, but it's just the, the full response that I'm now getting to how are you. So mm. when you're talking mm. to people and you say, hi, how are you? 
I am no longer hearing good or fine things. I am genuinely hearing how people are going. And it's about reciprocity. I'm now doing that too. So, Georgie, when you and I, um, you know, first had a little chat today, I found myself just genuinely telling you how I was and, and as opposed to just saying, yeah, you're great. Mm. <laughs> um, and we're all embracing this sense of authenticity encompassed with vulnerability and we are sharing that as a source of strength for each other and I, I think that is you know is kindness in action that strength in action so I, I think that's really beautiful um, and then there's some you know some really great you know, um, you know company innovations as well that's happening so um, you know pubs and, and clubs you know becoming essential um, you know, in, in their services and making these food packs and getting it out there and you can just drive through and pick that up. I think that's phenomenal. Um, as a small business owner, I subscribe to HubSpot and they just wrote to me and said, look, times are tough. We're going to have your theme. Um, mm. I did not that. They just said, look, you know, uh, you know it, it's tough to market right now, but, you know, we want to we want to protect your bottom line, so we're going to do that for you. And, and that gives me the ability to pay it forward too. So I, I think that this level of unity, this global level of unity, mm. is also, I mean, we're going through unprecedented times, but we're also going through unprecedented times of global unity. If we're doing it tough, the entire, the entire world is doing it with you. And the unprecedented levels of gratitude that we're going through, I mean, if I'm going through it tough, I just need to sit there and look at my phone and go, shoot, I'm so lucky to be where I am right now. And going through this, in my situation, I think everyone's having their own derivatives of that, um, and and so they're the sorts of beautiful things that I'm I'm seeing come through right now. Yeah, I mean, mm. I agree, and I think like um, I mean, I had this conversation with friends last night, and we just talked about we'd all been hit um, financially in different ways, and we're all feeling a little bit unsecure about various parts of our work and our financial futures, as so many people are right now, and particularly women. So many women are right now. Um, we're also all trying to figure out how to do this homeschooling thing and how to deal with having our kids here while at the same time trying to figure out you know, various things about pivoting our businesses or trying to adapt to the times to try and bring in some more work. Um, but we were all supportive of each other and we all also just shared a few things that we just have so much that we're grateful for. And the things that we're grateful for were just there were simple things that we, you know, we may have said in the past that we were grateful for, but now we really, really, really mean it. And just simple things uh, like our, having our family with us, um, just having fresh food in the in the kitchen, the things like that. That we really right now, I think that many of us are having a little bit of a reset. And I think that the things that we're learning about the way that we consume and the way that we behave around others and the way that we can connect with others and care for others, I think that there are things now that we will take on well into the future and well beyond this is mm. all over and well beyond all, unfortunately, the pain that many of us are going to be going through for, for months to come. Yeah, I, it, something came into my mind. I don't know where I heard this, but I heard it when I was young and I say it all the time, particularly to you know, to my husband whenever we're sort of recovering from a fight or something, um, you know, as you do. Um, you, you know, the judge and the strength of your character um, doesn't come through in the good times. It comes through in the bad times. The, the strength of your character really shows when times are tough and how you deal with that. And I think this is a defining moment, not just for us as individuals, but also for the world. Mm. Um, and us being conscious about that as we go through this time will make us, um, you know, will make the results of this time all the better for it. 
Yeah. So I think that um, it's it's interesting because even though this experience is different for every single person, you know, there's no universal way that you're impacted by um, this pandemic, but we are collectively experiencing something at the same time that none of us can control. It is an incredible leveller, I think, in that, and I think it reinforces some of the stuff in our lives that's incredibly complicated that, you know, when it comes down to it, honestly, what matters right now is very different. And I think, and I am hopeful that this will be a sort of reset in terms of the sense of community that we have and in terms of the sense of our priorities, because, um, you know, even I think of myself three weeks ago when, which seems like a lifetime ago, but it was sort of when I was still like both the kids had school sport that was ramping up and I was sort of like, mm. right, how is that all going to fit in with I've got this work and my husband's got this work and where do the kids need to be? And it's like, you know, that stuff just does not matter. Yeah, and yeah. the stuff that matters is how lucky they are that when everyone's well and there's not a virus like this, we can go and play netball or soccer or AF or yeah. whatever it is. You know, the the and I, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be Pollyanna. I don't think every single person after this pandemic is going to walk around happy as anything. But I do think that as a community and as a country and a, as a culture, basically all around the world, I think we will be yeah. different because of this. And I think I'm hopeful that we'll be better because of it. I mean, one other. Can I just say, when this is mm. all over, I can't wait to just get out there and give everyone a hug. I know. I, know I, I think exactly. I'm just going to yeah. hug every person I see. I know. <laughs> And yes, just little exactly. things like being able to go out and meet a group of friends for dinner or go out oh, with, you I know, know. Yeah, your kids yeah. or your husband, like, you know, all that sort of stuff. It'll be the simple things um, that we'll really, really, uh, really appreciate. And, I mean, we talked about the reset part of this even a few weeks ago when we said that, you know, this is now people will um, – people who have the ability and are lucky enough to have the ability to work from home that um, – that companies very quickly had to adapt to make that happen and we would like to think that some of the processes learned in this period will, will go forward and make it easier for, say, working parents later on if they can work from home even, you know, in, in the years to come as well. But one thing, I mean, you see the figures on the emissions go down and how quickly emissions go down when things like uh, yeah. international and domestic flights start to be cut back ex extensively. Uh. Um, but also from... I mean, I know from my personal experience, I was meant to be in Melbourne for an event on Monday and we ended up doing that event online via webinar and we still had, um, we actually ended up with three times as many people tuning into the webinar that would have been there in person. So we got to deliver the message to a much yep. bigger audience. I didn't have to go to Melbourne. Um, you know, that wasn't required and you realise like we, we still got to do that. So maybe we'll rethink things like like business travel or the need to go to um, a, a yeah, a business conference, the need to go and meet with somebody interstate because you think it's an important client meeting and you have to be there. Like maybe we will find the opportunity to uh, to rethink that and to rethink our time as well and to have those meetings, to continue having the meetings through Zoom or various other video conferencing platforms and then being able to turn off the computer and go next door and, and see your family. So maybe those mm. things will continue long into the future. We'll see, but... Obviously, there's a lot to get through before then and I think, you know, we've got months ahead and unfortunately for all of us, there's going to be various forms of different types of pain ahead as well. So just to keep that in mind too. Mm. Um, so I guess moving – I wanted to touch briefly on the working parent thing, Georgie. Uh, we, are both, we've, we are both parents of three kids. 
Um, I've got one in primary school, one a preschooler and a toddler. So it and Georgie all you've got two in primary school and a preschooler and so we're both uh, frantically trying to figure out how to homeschool, um, which has uh. been pretty interesting. And I have done a little bit of a call out over the last day um, and I got an awesome list of resources. So if anyone wants to check that out, I'll put the link to those resources on uh, the show notes. But if I might, I mean, I might just quickly say a few things that came up that were so obvious, but um, Kindling Radio, I don't know if your family listens to that, Georgie, mm. but we love to have that yeah. in the background here. Um, yeah. They play kids' music, but they also play, you know, regular adults' music that is happens to be appealing to kids as well. You'll hear random storybooks read throughout the day. Uh, like you might hear like Fran Kelly or somebody will be reading one of the books. Uh, so it's a really great thing just to have in the background. Um, there are so many great uh, like maths and English online resources as well, and some of them are opening up to allow for free um, trial periods and some are actually offering their stuff for free for a period as well, which is really necessary and really great. Um, you see things also like where um, I know like certain influencers on Instagram are doing things where they'll read a book at a set time every day to open up that sort of real-time connection for kids as well. Um, but really, you know, I hope I made this point in this piece that I really – I would like to see um, – maybe lessons broadcast on television because through all this I'm mindful of how much of a divide this will create between kids that have mm. not only access to Wi-Fi, um, which is obviously not equal around the country, but access to a device and access to a laptop if they even have one in their house or maybe their parent might need to use the one laptop that they have at home for their own work. So it'd be great to see if we can try and if there are as many avenues as possible to get that work out, be it through p- sending out packs, but also broadcasting things on radio, on television and elsewhere. Yeah, I think that, you know, the more, um, I think that the, the divide is potentially going to, you know, that's the most worrying part, I think, of this um, situation with schools, you know, being in various states of either shutdown or, um you know, I think I think a lot of teachers and the education departments in all various states have been doing an incredible job of trying to mobilise um, in a way to support parents with resources that they can. My um, personal take from two and a half days now of it is that it it puts an incredible amount of um, pressure in the house, and you know my. One of the ways I'm trying to cope is that I'm not trying to, in two days, replicate an education system in school at home. I'm not going to do that. But I think that what is tricky is trying to manage the various sort of, you know, intellectual capacities, various learning strengths, weaknesses, personalities, sibling, you know, it's it's a lot. And I think predominantly what I would love is to have a couple of things each day that the kids can do by themselves or with my help. Because I think that what I know, my kids are not good at just unstructured together in the house all day. So I think, you know, and there are some amazing resources to help sort of break up the day like that. I've actually just heard something fall over in the next room. I'm going to be just back in one second. I can tell the girls are doing the activity on their school list, which was designer dance. Designer dance. I love that. That's a a good one. Um, Well, what I can say is that just as I've been talking, I've seen that Plan Australia have just released this great resource, which is for for parents, but it's how to help children cope with uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. 
and they've suggested a number tip, another of tip, number of tips like around um, letting them know that whatever they're feeling is okay, to keep reassuring your children, to help your children know that they and others won't be alone, to talk about what would happen if their family got sick, obviously to reiterate the sing happy birthday as you do your 20 seconds uh, and as you... I think you sing happy birthday twice as you wash your hands to ensure that you're getting the appropriate mm-hmm. amount of time to make it happen. Um, so making sure that your kids understand how to protect themselves from the virus. Um, I've been doing a little bit in our house where we've actually been learning quite a lot about the virus and there happens to be a few little resources that, um, in, I mean, in the best way that they can, they can bring it down and break it down to make it um, sense it. Uh, give the, the appropriate level of information to children about how the virus works, little things like why soap actually disperses the virus. You can do little experiments in your house around how that works by using some uh, black pepper to show how soap basically disperses it quite quickly. So there are things that you can do in terms of learning. We, we talk a lot about the virus here. I feel it's important because we need to be able to explain why our kids aren't going to school, why they're not going to daycare, why they can't see their friends, why they can't go into our next-door neighbour's house at the moment, little things like that. It's it's amazing what comes up as a parent that the things that you suddenly need to learn how to do and need to try and figure out what is and isn't the right amount of information to give. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I will share some of those resources as well. Okay, well, I better wrap it up. We have been talking for quite some time, so I think that tends to happen a little bit on these uh, conversations at the moment and they're probably happening across the country. It was so nice to chat with you and to see you on screen. Thank you, Shivani. Thank you, Georgie. Thank you, guys. So nice to touch base with you both. Yes, and lovely seeing your beautiful faces on screen as well. I think we should keep this up. All right. Well, you have been listening to the Women's Agenda podcast, which is produced by Agenda Media. Uh, Just a reminder that all the stories that we have discussed today, we will share in the show notes. And a reminder also that if you did like our podcast today, despite the interesting audio quality, which hopefully you can understand for various reasons, uh, please do leave a review. It really does help. And don't forget, you can also subscribe to our daily newsletter, womensagenda.com.au forward slash subscribe. Thank you.